Hey, Pastor Rachel here. I'm so glad you're joining us here at Restoration Church. We are in the middle of a three-part series on the Holy Spirit. We're calling it Come Holy Spirit. And we're looking at the Holy Spirit from the beginning. The Holy Spirit, we see evidence in the Old Testament, also in the Gospels, which we'll be talking about today. And next week, we'll be unpacking the Holy Spirit's expression from Acts on. So last week, uh, David talked about the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, and he he went through the story of the Exodus and how the Holy Spirit was the pillar of fire by night and the pillar of clouds by day, and millions of Israelites followed that for 40 years wandering around the desert, but they always had that very tangible expression of the Holy Spirit right in front of them. They were never without that very visual representation of the Holy Spirit. Even in the beginning, we see in Genesis, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, hovering. That's an incredible vision for us that the Holy Spirit just hovers. We also see in the Old Testament where the Spirit comes upon people, certain judges, warriors, or prophets in a way that seems to give them an extraordinary power. We have Joshua in Numbers 27, Othniel in Judges 3, Gideon in Judges 6, Samson in Judges 13, and Saul in 1 Samuel 10. Although we also see that the Spirit later left Saul because of his disobedience in 1 Samuel 16. And then we keep going in 2 Samuel 23. David declares that the spirit of the Lord spoke by me and his word was on my tongue. Ezekiel 2, he reports that the spirit entered me when he spoke to me. So we have this concept of the Holy Spirit from the very beginning. It's always been there. It's the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the three in one, separate functions, but together in purpose as one, unified. And so we're going to come to the Gospels today, and we're going to look to see how does the Holy Spirit move around in the Gospels. Now, we have what we call the synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and and they're called synoptic because they're kind of in sync. They kind of tell the same story in the same order. And they, they kind of point to a pre-Pentecostal aspect of the work of the Holy Spirit and believers. This expanded picture of the Holy Spirit as revealed through the earthly life of Jesus and his ministry. That Jesus fulfills his earthly ministry somehow in the possession and the power of the Holy Spirit. We know that he was fully God, part of that trinity, but also in his humanity, He leaned on and depended upon the power of the Holy Spirit. This is good news for us as the believer. Also in the Gospel of John, which has a little different bent, it points to future Pentecostal work more than the earthly work of Jesus at the moment. And this is primarily where John talks to, Jesus is talking to disciples, telling them what is going to come after his ascension. And he talks a lot about the coming comforter, the coming consolation for them and how they will have a power and and great works, greater works, it says, meaning expanded works to come through the power of the Holy Spirit. So there's a lot of conversation around the synoptics, 
versus John, which is a little more interpretive. But regardless of which side or, or whether that even matters, here's what we know is that the Holy Spirit is alive and kicking in the New Testament, in the Gospels. So we're going to unpack this story in Mark 1. If you're following, I'm using the NRSV. And here is my my statement today is that the Holy Spirit equips, the Holy Spirit blesses, the Holy Spirit allows testing, and then the Holy Spirit releases into a partnering ministry. And we're going to see this through the story of John the Baptist baptizing Jesus and, and what follows shortly thereafter. So we open up Mark with the story of Jesus' baptism by his cousin John, this beautiful picture of the Trinity coming together. You know, we have the Holy Spirit through the dove. We'll get into that. We have uh, the Father giving his blessing. We have Jesus there. It's this incredible picture of the Trinity coming together to equip, to bless, to allow testing, and then to release Jesus into his earthly ministry. So join me in verse 4. Mark 1, 4. So John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And the whole Judean region and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locust and wild honey. He proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the strap of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now in those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a dove upon him. And a voice came from the heavens. You are my son, the beloved with you. I am well pleased. So Jesus was equipped. He had spent 30 years born in the vulnerability of his human body as a baby and then spent 30 years studying at the temple, praying, learning who his father was by text and by relationship, no doubt. He was working, earning a living, surviving, experiencing all the things common to humans. He was being equipped. Now Luke 1 we have a prophecy, a prophecy there where the Holy Spirit fills and empowers John the Baptist as the forerunner of Jesus. And he does the same thing with his parents, Elizabeth and Zacharias, before the birth of John. So the Holy Spirit is there from the very beginning. Jesus is conceived of the Holy Spirit, Scripture tells us, via his mother Mary. So we have the equipping, even of Jesus. He had to be prepared for these, what was to come next. And then we see the blessing in verse 10. We just read it. But as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, the beloved with you. I am well pleased. I just, I think we all want to hear that from our God, from father God, that he would show favor towards us. He would feel, um, that we are pleasing him well. So the, old, the, the early church has this, this concept of seven gifts of the Holy Spirit, and this is out of Isaiah 11, which we'll read in a minute. But the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit 
from this prophetic Isaiah 11 are these wisdom and understanding and counsel and fortitude and knowledge and piety and fear of the Lord. Jesus modeled every one of these in his time on earth. He was wise. He was understanding. He had incredible fortitude and knowledge and piety and he feared God. And here's the passage that they base this on. Isaiah 11.1, 1, a shoot shall come out from the stock of Jesse and a branch shall grow out of his roots and the spirit of the Lord shall rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. Now this is a prophecy about Jesus, but I believe that we can take this as followers of Jesus and receive this same spirit that rested on Jesus now rests on us. St. Thomas Aquinas said that the four of these gifts, wisdom, understanding, knowledge, and counsel direct our intellect or our mind, while the other three gifts, fortitude, piety, and fear of the Lord direct our will towards God. So our minds and our wills are shaped toward God through the spirit. So we see that Jesus was equipped for 30 years. He was in training, basically. For these three years of ministry. And then there comes a time and he's blessed. He receives the blessing of the Lord, the, the very visible sign of the Holy Spirit in that same place. But then let's find out what happens next, because this is the hard part for everyone, Jesus and us as well. There's the testing So we go to verse 12 and the spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. So he has just had this incredible experience of the Trinity all together there in that baptism by his cousin. And the very next verse and the spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. What in the world, right? He was in the wilderness for 40 days tested by Satan and he was with the wild beast and the angels waited on him. Luke 4 says it like this, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. Now, the age-old question, does God tempt or test us? We have James 1.13 that says, no one when tempted should say, I am being tempted by God for God cannot be tempted by evil and he himself tempts no one. But that does not mean that God does not allow us to be tested. We have examples in the scripture where God allowed the testing. The the number one example that comes to mind is Job, where Satan had to get permission from God, which God gave with some parameters that he could test Job. And I think most of us have examples in our life where we feel like we go through times of testing Hard things that don't really make sense. It's not necessarily choices you made or that anyone else made. Just hard things. Maybe it's health issues. Maybe it's betrayal. Maybe it's something that happens with your children in some sort of loss. These are hard things. Why might God allow testing? How could a good God allow testing? It's always the thing that we struggle with, the tension that we live in. 
But here's what I want us to say, that after resisting temptation through the power of the Spirit, here's what happened next for Jesus. He was released into ministry. In verse 14, then Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread through all the surrounding country. And he began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. So this is important. Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit, according to Luke, going into the wilderness. But then he came out of that testing filled with the power of the Spirit. You see, that's what testing does for us. It gives us power. We go in, we have the Holy Spirit. We go into testing, times of testing, times of temptation. And when we withstand through the power of the Spirit, the angels attend to us and we come out full of the power of the Holy Spirit. We have power into ministry, into testimony. We have power over sin. This is excellent news. And I want some of that, not just full of the Holy Spirit, but filled with the power of the Holy Spirit kind of vibe so that I too can be released to bring good news. Verse 16, when he came to Nazareth, This is after his temptation and he's returned and he's began to teach. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll. He gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him, scripture tells us. And then he began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. It was time. He'd gone through this equipping, this blessing, come through shining from the, from the testing, and now was being released into his ministry. The scripture had been fulfilled as Christ followers. This prophecy, this releasing, this promise is for us as we continue to partner with God's work here on earth. We also get to fulfill this scripture We get to be anointed. We get to bring good news to the poor, whether that's poor of spirit or poor of health or poor of finances. We get to proclaim release to the captives. We get to proclaim sight to the blind. We get to let the oppressed go free. And we get to proclaim the Lord's favor. Isn't that exciting? So I want us to just sit here for a moment. And think about it. Where are you being equipped right now? How are you being equipped? How are you being blessed by God? Where are you being tested or tempted? And what do you believe God is releasing you into? 
And this is not a one and done. This is an entire lifetime that we walk with Jesus, that we continue to be equipped and blessed and tested and released into partnering ministry with God's work here on earth, just like Jesus. Jesus is the model of how that looked so that we too could follow closely in his footsteps and partner with God. So Father God, I just want us to to sit and reflect on these incredible gifts that you've given us to partner with you. And that you don't just expect us to come out of the womb or even as newborn Christians to know how to do this. You equip us. You bless us. You allow testing in order to release us into work with you, into testimony about your goodness. Lord, we want to walk worthy of this. Show us, Lord, how to live this out. In your precious name, amen.